The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this weekly podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. Hi, this is Mike Rogers with another great Welsh Wire conversation. Now, here's Sherry Welsh. Hey, welcome back to the Welsh Wire. We're so glad you joined us today. We have a fabulous show ahead for you. We're talking about remote work. Is this really the new normal? We've got some regional experts on this topic. We're so thrilled to have them with us here today. As our guest, we've got Sean Premer. Sean is the Vice President of Human Resources for Consumers Credit Union in Kalamazoo. And she's also most recently the past director of MySherm, the State of Michigan's Association for Human Resource Leaders. Also have, if if Sean's not enough, we've got Monica Lloyd with us. Monica is a leadership consultant with Advisa. Advisa does HR consulting for companies all throughout the Michiana area in banking, service sector, manufacturing. She's got some great perspectives to share with us as well. And Monica is the most recent board president of the Kalamazoo Human Resources Manager Association. So, man, we have some power pack people here that know their stuff in remote work. Sean, Monica, thank you for joining us today on The Welsh Wire. Thanks for having us. Yeah, super excited to be here today. So our our topic today is remote work. We're going to explore everything about remote work, when it all went down, what stage we're in right now, and kind of what you see as the future for remote work. So, you know, on March 23rd, 2020, Michigan's offices were forever changed, right? So tell us how you or Monica, in your, in your case, your clients pivoted at that moment to having a remote workforce. Sean, tell us about Consumers Credit Union and the story there. Sure. You know, um, one of the things I'm really thankful for at Consumers is that we've never been afraid to invest in technology. And a couple of years ago, we made some big investments in technology. And who would have known that we would have benefited so much from that during pandemic. So when everything happened, uh, we had about 12 employees who worked remote full time and then others that would work remote part of the time. But everybody had the ability to work. So we had issued laptops to every employee um, over the last two years. And we also invested in technology where we could fully serve our members with a teller, a live teller, um, through an interactive teller machine, or we call them Teller Plus. Which is so cool. Yeah, and that allows the member to get anything they need done without having to step foot in an office. And we had just gone through the process of spending lots of money to convert drive-throughs to 100% Teller Plus machines. And since we had to close our lobbies, that was, you know, kind of the Thing that we had to do at that time, um, we were able to staff offices or retail offices with one to two people to take appointments. 
and send everybody else home in a retail environment and allow them to do other work. So they could serve our, our Teller Plus machines, they could do our phone center, they could work for business services because we were processing $47 million in PPP loans. So we had all these things that people could do from home. So we were able to transition over 80% of our employees to remote work within a 10-day timeframe. Wow. So you went from 12 people and, and your entire staff and remote work to 80% of your workforce is working from home. Yeah. Wow. And you did that within 10 days. 10 days. It might have been a little bit less than that, but 10 is a, a fa- I know we were done in 10 days. So, um, so yeah, it's, we had a phenomenal team. Um, our head of organizational development did a great job of creating charts. So we knew where people were getting assigned and we could track them if they moved places. Um, so we just, you know, had a, a phenomenal team that jumped in and got it done. And, and I couldn't be more proud. That's awesome. I mean, and that's a quick turnaround. Monica, did you see anything different or unusual with your clients at that time? How did they pivot? How fast did it happen for them? Yeah, I think the speed at which people were able to pivot had a lot to do with their level of comfort with remote work prior to the necessity of remote work. So, you know, in Sean's case, she had folks already in the remote environment. A lot of my clients were in various uh, levels of comfort. So some with zero remote work, some with 100% remote work already, which, you know, no problems there. Um, and so it was really just a matter of obviously the size of the staff and how many people needed to go re- remote. And then what systems are already set up? Do we already know how to, you know, have people remote in VPN? What software is already available? Um, so it, it's been quite the mix with my clients. I would say the majority of folks, you know, did it in a matter of two weeks. Um, but, you know, we're talking IT and HR and all hands on deck, determining who has what capability and what we need to add and how we're going to get it there. So it was just like the great shuffle of 2020, right, is getting everybody out of the corporate environment into the remote workforce. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I have a client that I worked with that they did. They had some folks working remotely, but within the first month, they went to 90% remote. And now today, and actually they've made the decision to go 100% remote with their workforce. Their seven offices have closed and effective uh, actually September, they went to 100% remote workforce. So let me ask you, what does remote work look like today for your clients, Monica? I mean, how, how are they handling remote work at this moment in time? Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of my clients are doing great, you know, and we're here to help them through that from a cultural perspective, from an engagement perspective. Um, but I think some of the biggest eye opener has been, we, we've always said we need to focus on the whole person, but like it is very apparent that the whole person matters now. Life, lifestyle, you know, home life, what people's technology abilities are, access to technology. So a whole lot of differentiation there. Um, so really focusing on the whole person and then really figuring out, you know, what's working well remotely and what's not, you know, collaboration or remote environment is very difficult and people are getting creative about how to do that well and really still get those creative vibes flowing. I think that's been one of the biggest um, roadblocks from a remote work environment. And then also, you know, people are really doubling down on what engagement really looks like. It's no longer the surface stuff of the office. Like there are different things and intentional things that companies should be doing and could be doing 
to up the engagement level in the remote work environment because it's so easy to kind of fade into the background and just kind of, you know, zombie throughout your day. Um, and so that's something that I'm really noticing our clients are getting a lot of value from us. Yeah, so there, the remote work continues on, but there are some challenges. You know, once you figure out the IT, once you figure out how to do that daily team meeting and that weekly leaders meeting, okay, but there are still ongoing challenges to working remotely that you're seeing many of your clients face. Yeah, and I'm hearing that also from other business leaders and owners like myself. Um, who are struggling with how to make it work effectively and where do we kind of go from here. Sean, tell me about the current state of affairs at Consumers Credit Union too. I mean, what are how are you managing through this remote stage and what challenges are you encountering along the way? Sure. Uh, you know, what? what's really interesting is I think, um, and, and Monica could probably speak to this also, for the first six weeks of working from home, you saw record levels of productivity right? People are home, they're, they're like, wow, I can get so much work done. But then after six weeks, that productivity starts to decline, right? It, because it feels mundane. You're, you're never leaving your home. You're not, um, you're not interacting with people. And that's some of what you loved about your job. And you know, so- and if I can stop you just real quick, Sean, to interject that, you make such a good point there. I mean, I think that that's, ju- that's so well said, it, it kind of, in those early stages, didn't it feel like survival, right? I mean, everyone was pedaling just as fast as they could because we're all trying to keep our organizations healthy and thriving and alive. And our employees were feeling like, I got to keep my job. I got to make sure they find me valuable. I got to make sure I got good work product going out there. So I'm not the one that they say they don't need next week, right? Yeah. It well, was and I, I think our employees felt very confident that they weren't, that they wouldn't lose their jobs. I mean, I think we were one of the few companies that didn't do furloughs. We didn't do any pay cuts. As a matter of fact, we paid people 100% through the entire um, lockdown, whether they were working 40 hours or not. We didn't require them to use any kind of FMLA or, you know, file for anything. It's like, this is the right thing to do. But what we were worried about, what we were worried about is not productivity, though, yes, that's important. What we're worried about is people's mental health. So, yeah. One of the things that we did, and we started it early on, was check-ins with every single employee. Um, You know, we'd pick certain ones each week, go through those. Next week, you go through the next, and next week, you go through the. So we were hitting every employee at least once every few weeks. And we would do that through phone or Jabber or email, whatever their preference is, right? Everybody has a different communication style. Um, And what we were finding was sometimes, especially if you're – they processing PPP loans and you're in front of your computer all day. That was the only interaction you were getting with a human being because you might live in an apartment by yourself. And so um, we've continued that, right? So when we have employees working remote, we just continue to check in with them. And now we've trained managers or had good chats with them about how to do that and engage them. We changed our performance review process so that employees could do a lot of like self-reflection and they could really talk about what this year meant to them and, you know, the impact it had on them personally. So then them and their their manager can have a good open discussion about it because we're not really worried about what you delivered this year, right? We had a record year. We did amazing as an organization and everybody's contribution was different. So we're not going to focus on that. What we're going to focus on is, did you make it through okay? And are you okay? And, and how do you reflect upon that? And so now that we're back to partial 
um, remote partial homes. So at our corporate office, we maybe have 10 to 15 out of almost 200 that come in on a daily basis. And some of that's because they have to, but also we have some employees who said, listen, I just can't work from home. I just can't do it. My home environment doesn't support it. I've got kids screening. Um, my internet's not good enough. Honestly, I live in a one bedroom apartment and I'm going to go crazy if I have to spend, you know, all my time there. And so that's real. I mean, that's right. I've heard some people make the comment, like I'm not working from home. I'm living at work. Yep. Right. Have you heard that? Which the first time I heard it was really jarring for me. And I'm like, Wow. So that gives you an idea of the perspective of, I mean, some folks still struggle with it. So. And my OSHA proved it, by the way, my OSHA proved it. I called my OSHA. I said, here's my situation. I've got these 25 employees who feel they need to come in and here are the reasons why we have a 90,000 square foot building. Trust me, social distancing is not a problem. And they're like, you're good. So, um, because a lot of people think they have to justify someone being in the office right now. And that's only true if, you know, they're coming in just because they want to, not because they don't have any underlying factor. And, um, you know, I think that it's important that mental health rank right up there. Because I spoke with um, several mental health people and they're like, listen, mental health crisis in this country is as bad or worse than coronavirus itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real thing. And, you know, that that's, I'll give another shameless plug for the last Welsh Wire that we recorded prior to this show, you, I'm sure the two of you have already heard it already, but for our listeners, if you missed our Welsh Wire on mental health issues, we just did that with Mary Jo Bavaya from Uliance, which is an EAP. She talks all about mental health issues and how you can help your employees you know, in these times because you are 100% right. That, that's, a, that's a challenge right now. It absolutely is. So as we start thinking forward, moving forward and look at, look at our crystal balls, right? You guys are the experts, Sean and Monica. I mean, what do you see as the future for remote work? What do you think business owners and leaders should be thinking about and planning for as we move through this challenge? What can they do to ensure they have a healthy, happy, productive, well-functioning team and workforce? Monica, what what are your thoughts? Well, remote work's here to stay in some form or fashion forever. I mean, you know, people have experienced, people have thought they never wanted to go remote and now they, you know, never want to go back. So (laughs) it's here to stay. I think that's that's the first thing that a a lot of companies need to really recognize is this just isn't a season. There's going to be a piece of it residual forever. You know, I think that companies need to be really really invested in their leaders right now because you know the the leaders are the window through which employees see and feel the organization and the culture and so if you don't have leaders that are confident and capable of leading in a remote work environment that's something that you know really businesses should be focusing on and not just letting that go to chance because that's that's gonna harm productivity it's gonna harm engagement Right. And so, Monica, how do you get them comfortable? How do you get your leaders comfortable to manage in that remote environment? Because, you know, the old days of management by walking around, well, we can't do that now. Right. Just drop in and say hi and chat about the kids or whatever. Not so easy to do. I mean, how do you get them ready for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we're working with our clients, we do a lot with measuring um, where people get their sources of confidence and where their motivators come from. 
um, because because you can't just manage people uh, in a blanket fashion. Not anymore. It might have worked a little bit, but in this remote work environment, people need to have a tailored approach. Um, and so when we're when we're working with companies to help them determine that, that's one thing for sure. Really, the goal is to create high touch, high trust work environments. So. Um, those high trust work environments really are created by clear and consistent measures of productivity. And I don't need to micromanage you. You know, businesses need to be really clear in what the expectations are of this role and what it looks like to meet expectations. And then beyond that, like get off people's back. You know, burnout looks different now. Businesses should really be focusing on different signs of burnout. Um, it seems like it'd be really hard to burn out when you're at home and can wear leggings and, you know, swap your laundry and take a 20 minute break, you know, in your bed, like all that stuff just seems like it should fix burnout. But guess what? Burnout is greater now than it has been forever because work life integration is here. And like you said, Sherry, sometimes people feel like they're, you know, living at work and, and that's real. So that's another thing that businesses really need to start paying attention to and getting intentional with uncovering and fixing. Yep. Yeah, good point. Sean, you've always done such a great job with your leadership team, um, training, developing them. You've got a great, great leadership team, but I bet there were some parts about this that have been challenging for them. How have you managed that and getting your leaders ready to lead their teams remotely? Yeah, you know, we are, um, just like Monica said, remote works here. Um, we foresee this as an opportunity um, to prolong the use of our, our corporate headquarters, right? We grow fast. And at the rate of growth that we were six, uh, experienced previously with people working in the office, we would have had to build a, uh, another one of these buildings on our property in the next 10 to 15 years, which is crazy to think about. Right. Well, what this is now doing for us is allowing us to integrate remote work long term. And we expect that most employees will work from home uh, 30% of the time, right? So two to three days a week, they'll be home. And um, so what we're working with managers on now is, okay, that's that's part of our reality. That's what's going to happen. So here's the long term. So we worked with them all the way through this to say, here's what you need to do now. Mm -hmm. But now it's here's what you need to do forever. And um, so we're putting them through a training program uh, beginning after the first of the year. Um, and we're constantly finding there's so many great resources out there through SHRM. Um, there's just so many great publications, webcasts like this, where you can just really learn. And we share those with our managers and ask them to view them so that um, we're, they're not just hearing it from us, they're hearing it from some well-renowned uh, sources. But I would caution companies who are looking at remote work as a way to save money. You know, so you shut down your building, you don't have costs, but trust me, there will be costs in that long term because study after study shows that 100% remote work does not equal engagement. So when the job market goes back to what it is at 3% unemployment, because it will, uh, it will be so much easier for your remote worker to leave. They will not have the level of commitment engagement that they did with your organization before. So I think that's an important thing to remember. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. People are not meant to live in isolation and, you know, not operate in teams and in collaborative. It's just so, so hard for, I think, innovation, creativity, R&D, brainstorming, venting problems, solving problems on the fly. I mean, so many things 
about that are really hampered through the remote work situation. And culture is one of them too, right? Like how, Sean, you've created an amazing work culture there at Consumers Credit Union. So how do you carry that forward? Monica, I'm going to ask the same question to you in a minute too, but how do you carry culture forward when everybody's working off their dining room table? Yeah, you know, that's been actually fun for us, I will say. Challenging, but fun. Uh, And we've tested uh, engagement throughout. So we've done several surveys of our employees, one just to find out how they felt about our work during COVID. You know, did we handle it the way that we should have? Is there things we should have done differently? And our employees were so satisfied through that process. And now it's all about culture and engagement, right? Um, So it's really about doing the things you do really well. Uh, in a different way. And, and and we've always said at consumers, like the cornerstone of our culture here is when you do the right thing for the employee 100% of the time, everything else falls into place. Love it. So when managers look at each individual and address them accordingly and just really make sure they're needs are being met as a whole person. I think Monica said that at the beginning. Um, Really, your culture remains. Now, we do have the advantage of, you know, this ability to come in to the office a little bit here and there. So they get a little bit of that in person, which I think is important. And our retail employees, you know, have an extra challenge of being so diligent with safety and and everything that they have to do. And then some employees have just said, listen, I'm not comfortable working in an office. So then they're dealing with less staff and And all of that. But I'll tell you, our managers have done a phenomenal job of listening for understanding and then really just addressing each person individually. We cannot take a blanket approach here. Yeah, that's great. That's really great advice. Monica, anything you might want to add on the culture piece? How do you maintain that? How do you keep it healthy? Yeah, I I think that what we're finding with our clients is that defining your culture is more important now than ever. So, you know, Sean was really clear on where their culture starts, and that message is likely um, out for the whole organization. The organization knows that and feels that. And so what we're finding is defining it and making sure that your leaders say it the same way, right? How, How would you describe our culture? And if you're getting 10 different answers from 10 different leaders, then then your employees are feeling your culture differently because your leaders are doing it differently. So that's one thing that we're really helping our, our clients with is what does that look like? And then how do we create an employer brand that helps our managers with clear delineated guidelines? So this behavior supports the culture. So you as a leader are expected to help with this behavior and reinforce this behavior because nothing changes if behaviors don't change. So um, I think that definition and empowering and um, aligning the leaders for how to carry that through is something that's really key now more than ever. Wonderful. Wonderful. So we've shared a lot of great tips and advice today about remote work and how to do it well and how to get through this to the new normal, whatever that is. I think we get to define it, right? That's kind of exciting. We get to define what it looks like for our organizations. But I'm going to put you on the spot now and ask you this. If you could leave leave our listeners with just two things to do. If you don't take anything else away from this show today, take these two things away and put these into practice to really have an effective remote workforce program in your organization. What are those two items? Monica, I'll ask you first. Uh, Double down in the investment in your leaders at every level. So leaders at every level. And then really focus on the high touch, high trust environment 
and really driving that home. So spending casual time with your team, with individuals for the high touch, not work-related. How the heck are you? What'd you do last night? And then really focus on that high trust, which is I'm clear in my expectations to you. You're clear in your commitment to me. I trust you to do the work. Whatever that looks like in your environment, let's go. Great. Great advice. Sean, how about you? Top two things, top two takeaways. Do this. Yeah, so I'll build on what Monica said. You have to do those two things. Those are the foundation. But then I think from there, you have to understand what each individual needs from you as a leader. So having that conversation to say, hey, I know this environment is different. What do you need from me? And our, you know, here we hire and fire based on values, right? And what the top value is servant leadership. So how can I serve you as your leader? And then um, the number two thing is you cannot communicate too much and in too many different ways. So make sure you're just keeping lines of communication open. And, you know, I realized last week I had something happen in my personal life. I communicated it to two team members, but not the third. And then she's like, I just heard. And I felt terrible. And that's how easy that happens, though, in remote work. I happen to be in meetings with the other two and not the third. So I think we can fall short as leaders and make someone feel left out. So if I can remind you of anything, just you cannot communicate too much or in too many different ways. Great advice. Uh, We are so thrilled to have had you here on the show today. Let me ask you if our listeners say, I'd love to reach out to Monica or I want to talk to Sean and get more information about something that she said today. What's the best way for them to reach you, Monica? Yeah, email. It's M-L-L-O-Y-D at advisausa.com. All right, terrific. And Sean, how about if they want to reach you? Send you an email? Same thing, yeah. So mine is Sean.Premer, and you can see my name in the little square there, uh, at consumerscu.org. Perfect. Well, again, Monica Lloyd from Advisa, Sean Premer from Consumers Credit Union. We thank you, our human resource experts on remote work. This has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you sharing your insight on how leaders and owners in West Michigan can really make a difference in their companies by managing their remote workforce well. Thanks for being our guest today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.